Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's episode, we get this bread. First off, if you're new, welcome. This is a show all about how some of the most interesting brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic and using the consumer's voice as their own. And today, I'm on with Panera Bread and specifically their SVP over marketing, Chris Hollander. Now, I have a ridiculous number of good memories and experiences while being in a cafe across any of the Panera Bread fleet. It's the first restaurant that I ever went in that I saw a fireplace in, which I thought was interesting. It's where I had my first college interview, and it's where I get great food and coffee today. And Chris has a ton of examples in this interview about how they help to unlock the optimism and inspiration and motivation within their cafes. And so I can't wait to have you hear all about how he is helping to uh, bake those memories up in the eyes uh, and ears and hearts of his consumer base, and specifically what he's doing to help share some of the stories of the 19 million what he calls e-marketable consumers that they hold relationships with. Generally, this is just a really fantastic interview, which is chock full of examples. I don't get this many examples typically in an interview, so I'm really glad to have had the conversation. And so I'm just going to back away and, and let you hear it. So without further ado, this is from Panera Bread, Chris Hollander. All right, everybody, I'm here with Panera Bread and specifically their SVP over marketing, Chris Hollander. Chris, how you doing? Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's wonderful to talk to you. I love Panera, and I have to say that very first, just down the block from me, up until about three or four years ago, there used to be a Panera, and it was my go-to lunch spot while I was working in the office. I'd go out for a walk, and pretty much every day, somebody wanted to go to Panera. So, love your stuff. Keep doing what you're doing as far as the menu's concerned. All right, got to get that out of the way. That's table stakes. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I also want to start with this because I typically ask folks about their journey to this point. I want to learn a little bit more about why Panera. I want to learn a little bit about what drew you to fast casual after spending years at organizations like Pepsi and, and, and in other industries. But I'm going to start specifically with this because I wonder if the motivation and inspiration to join Panera was more deeply ingrained than perhaps the casual listener might think. So my first question is a bit of a curveball, and it's this. You've enjoyed a long career in food and Bev, obviously. You've spent nearly 11 years at Pepsi before journeying on to your current tenure here. Was your decision to move to Panera at all influenced by Bill Moyers, the journalist and former White House press secretary, who famously said to you in a commencement speech, uh, to you and the rest of your 1990 graduating class at Middlebury College, that, quote, bread equals life? Well, if it did, it was subconscious. Let me tell you that much. Um, <laughs> You know, that, that's really going back a ways. It was a, I, I remember the speech. I absolutely don't remember that piece of it. So I have to be honest. <laughs> uh, but but none, nonetheless, uh, when I left Pepsi after 10 years, I was looking for another company that was a phenomenal brand that had a tremendous following. And ultimately, I was hoping to find a brand that actually made a difference in the world. And I felt that Panera was a perfect opportunity because I loved what the brand stood for. Is a brand that people just naturally and inherently trusted. Uh, and I knew that that had a lot more potential. I came on and was brought on by the head of marketing at the time, Michael Simon, to help build the marketing organization. 
and amplify all the great works that Panera was doing and spread the word and essentially become an evangelist for the brand and had been doing that for the last 10 years. And it's been a phenomenal journey. I'm so glad that uh, that they got you um, because you've been able to lead this brand forward. And I, let's let's talk for a second about fast casual as an industry. Now, I've had a couple of folks on the show uh, within restaurants broadly. The question that I tend to ask has been around, you know, consumer interaction can sometimes be drive by or drive through in nature. They come in, they buy something, they leave. Now, obviously, people are becoming more digital. They're getting to learn more about that consumer more than just their time in a cafe. But I'm curious from you, why is it so important within Fast Casual to get to know the consumer, assuming that getting to know the consumer is important for any marketer? But why in Fast Casual in particular? Yeah, it's funny, Adam. The last bit was I was just going to reinforce, no matter no matter what you're working on in marketing, there's nothing more important than understanding the consumer. And as I, as I serve it up and think about it in my head for Fast Casual, it's all about understanding the need the consumer has and then finding the right solutions for that need. And if you do it right and you truly know your consumer better than your competition, then that can create points of difference and differentiation that you can then drive and helpfully separate yourselves from what I'd call the sea of sameness out there. So when I think about Fast Casual, when I joined back in, um, uh, well, yeah, 10 years ago now, the advertising industry and, and marketing industry around Fast Casual and, and QSR for that matter, was a lot of the sea of sameness. Uh, everyone was offering the deals. Everyone was doing the same bite and smile shots. And I knew that Panera had a big opportunity there because we knew what our consumer wanted. And it was a little different than what a lot of the other fast casual offerings were, were set up to do. So here's an example. We had incredible insight uh, and understanding around the fact that our consumers were looking to have confidence in their choice and really laddering up to that emotional benefit of self-esteem. Um, and if you think about what was out there at the time, there wasn't a lot of offer offerings that people could have that would leave them feeling better when they left and when they came in. And that's what I've always loved about Panera. When you leave Panera, you always feel better than when you came in. So that has been a filter for everything we've done. I'm not saying what we've talked about marketing, but literally everything we've done over the last 10, 15 years that I've then been able to amplify via marketing. So let me give you a couple examples. Uh, and this was actually even before my time. Panera was always at the forefront of driving that ability to have people to have people have confidence in their choice. Back in 2007, you know they um, they before I joined, uh, we moved all trans fats from their menu. Um, then back in 2010, just as I was joining, we decided to put calories information up on all menu boards. And let me tell you, we we had some some bagels that weren't exactly light in calories, if you know what I mean. So that's a risk. Bagels aren't aren't low calorie. Yeah, go, go figure. Yeah, right. I didn't want to give off that trade secret. Yeah, right. Um, but it's this idea of being as transparent as you can be and letting people make their own choices and giving them real choices and real options that stuck with our consumer. And that allowed us to start differentiating. Uh, and literally that led to us um, back in 2015, which was a major turning point uh, when we made our entire menu 100% clean. When we did that, we knew a couple things. We knew it mattered to the consumer because we had a lot of insight and research that said that that was important to them. We also knew that a lot of others couldn't do it nearly to the degree that we could because we had the resources to do it and the commitment to do it. Our founder, Ron Shake, knew it was the right thing to do. And he always spoke about three things which I have always stuck with me. This idea of telling the truth, 
knowing what matters to the consumer, and then getting it done. So we knew that going clean mattered to the consumers, and we knew we could get it done, but it was going to be painful. It was going to take a long time to do it. But once we did, it gave us a leadership position that we drove for a good three, four years. We're still seeing people follow our lead, and we encourage that. Uh, you know, it's funny. If you think about the recent ad, Adam, have you seen that the moldy Whopper ad from Burger King? Oh, have I? Yeah. And, and listeners, right? you can check out our our interview with Burger King CMO Fernando Machado, where I ask him about the very thing. But yes, uh, yes, Chris, I have. Exactly. That was a bit of a leading question, I'll admit it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Fernando. Um, I think he's just bold and fearless. And I'm not here to argue whether it was a right or wrong thing to do. I loved it personally. Um, but I think about what he was doing stemmed back from our clean campaign four or five years ago. We set this lead and then I loved watching everyone try and try and catch up and do the same thing because then it becomes marketing to make a difference versus marketing just for marketing's sake. The fact that we're getting the whole industry to move in this direction of better, cleaner food actually makes a difference to consumers. And that's why it's so exciting to work at a brand like Panera. Yeah, I would I would assume I would assume so being, uh, you know, all of that transparency around nutrition and glad that you did it upwards of 10 years ago was really i think i think changed a lot of probably changed a lot of people's health <laughs> generally because you know when people go out uh to to eat you think about 10 15 years ago you know pretty pretty far across the board with some limited exceptions like yours they, they didn't have a whole lot of healthy options out there so it, it really was a complete industry change and i'm glad you're able to do that today when you talk about the importance of, of, of getting to know the consumer through all these things how do you prioritize that with with your team like on a day-to-day basis what are some of the values you instill in them yeah well we work hand in hand with our insights and, and analytics team um, no matter what we do no matter what campaign we're going after um, it always has to stem from what is a deep consumer insight and what is that deep human truth um, because those are unlocked to great campaigns. Um, the more you know about what matters to the consumer, the better you can make the creative ultimately be. Um, I can give you, a, you know, if you want a, a small example recently about something that may sound a little tactical, but actually was grounded in a very deep insight, and it's this coffee subscription model we just uh, released. I've definitely heard about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, well, here it is. You know, for us, coffee is not synonymous with Panera, let's face it. Um, for us, it's a very small part of our mix. But when we thought about it, we also realized that when we talked to our consumers, that people were looking for quality coffee as good as our food. So the basic insight that, that quality coffee is, let's face it, pretty ridiculously expensive these days. Mm-hmm. We had great quality, um, you're freshly ground, 100% Arabica. We knew we had an opportunity to make it accessible to all. And then there's this broader human insight around the idea that, think about, are you a coffee drinker, Adam? Oh, yeah, every day. Yeah. Well, as we got talking to our, off, uh, our coffee drinkers, we started realizing the people who are associating coffee with optimism, all the things they could do, once they had their coffee, they could conquer the world type of mentality. So that was an unlock for us, this insight that it's expensive, but yet people associate coffee with optimism, and everyone deserves a great cup of coffee. That allowed us to think about positioning in a whole different way. So we started positioning this as unlimited coffee, essentially equated to unlimited optimism. We worked with our creative partners, and that led to this idea of your cup is always full. So from a functional standpoint, 
we had a monthly $8.99 all-you-could-drink coffee subscription. It's great. But it's a lot more powerful when you can position it as something around unlocking unlimited optimism. And that allowed us to build a really powerful campaign around this. So for us, we're always thinking about what's that higher emotional benefit versus just a functional tactical benefit. So it's just one example. But that's an example of making sure my, my team understands the importance and value of always understanding what matters to the consumer. Well, it's those values and memories that you want to continue to drive. So I think that, that the coffee subscription being the tactic, but the broader strategy being to help unlock that optimism and to do it specifically in the cafe. Obviously, there's great brand benefit to that. And I hope, and I'm sure you hope as well, that it creates plenty of more memories and shareable moments to be to be talking about. Maybe somebody walks into a Panera every day now because they're subscribed to this coffee thing and I wonder who knows they're a budding entrepreneur and they got a great idea while they were having their morning coffee or maybe somebody went and they they closed that sale they they built that relationship they needed to to, to build or, or whatever so I understand it perfectly and it's uh, certainly an attractive entry point for anybody looking to get their daily fix and not looking to brew it at home or in the office yeah you know Adam it's funny there's always something I've wanted to do and I'm, I'm, I'm giving away an idea but so be it um, because I think Panera is a source of inspiration for a lot of people. Think about how people use our in-cafe experience. I've always wanted to. It was an idea that our creative partner, Anomaly, had around just putting a fixed camera on one booth or one table and understanding all the different human interactions that go on at that table only o- over a given day or a given week. Um, when you think about unlocking potential, unlocking optimism, the um, you know, the business ideas that have come from that, the interviews that have come from that, these, the, just the social gatherings that have come from that, I think would be a really interesting story to tell one of these days. I think so too. I, that well, gives me a number of ideas. I, I, <laughs> yes. I might steal the idea, but I'm going to do it someday. Yeah. Okay, good. Folks, try and go try and steal that because it's going to help you regardless. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Everybody, everybody followed Panera with the whole clean eating thing. So, so maybe they'll follow you with this as well. Uh, if I can talk for a second personally about an ins- a moment of inspiration that I had or, or a memory that I had, and it might seem initially disconnected, but I promise you it's not. When I was going through the interview process for my own college experience, I'll, I will never forget, can't, impossible to forget, uh, my first interview for Harvard, I was sat across from somebody who, in my hometown of Hunt Valley, Maryland, uh, in a leather bound chair and they had a leather bound chair right across from me sat in front of a, a fireplace, just having a, I guess, a similarly warm conversation about my experiences and their experiences. We had a lot of common interests in that, um, over, uh, over a demi loaf of bread, funny enough. And, uh, it just so happens that that experience, which is otherwise very intimate and might be described as having happened in somebody's home was in a cafe. It was in a Panera. This was in the fall of 2009. And I, uh, between that and other experiences that I have with my family and friends of going to Panera, it's that, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional moment for people, for me, for that memory. But um, it's just that feeling of, of maybe inspiration, motivation, uh, optimism. And it, it's, it makes me wonder this because Nearly every time I walk into Panera, I have that experience. And I'm not just buttering you up. It's the truth. And I wonder, is there an opportunity to be taking advantage of that? Now, because you just gave that idea away of setting a fixed camera in a booth, I'm curious now, 
maybe as a corollary to that question, what are the, some of the ways today, fixed camera aside, in, in which Panera is encouraging the guests in their cafe to share their moments in it and share their stories of being in a Panera and what happened in the Panera when you had that daily coffee? Um, you know, whether it be tied to that, whether it be tied to a, a cause or, or, or whatever. There's millions of stories out there. I have, I have dozens and I'm just one person. So how as a brand yep. is Panera taking advantage of that? Because there's there's a ton. I just know there is. I don't even need research. I know there's a ton. No, no, it's, it's a great point. Um, and by the way, a, a quick aside, uh, there's, the fireplace is such a powerful representation of what we call Panera warmth um, that we like to believe stems out of our associates, our 150,000 associates every day. Uh, the fireplace is something that we hope will always be a symbol of what Panera stands for. It's one thing that we want in every single cafe moving forward. Whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Maine, you still get the idea of what a fireplace connotes and, and the relationships and the optimism you said and the warmth that it brings. So that's a quick aside. So I was glad to hear you, you mention the fireplace. That's what drew me in at first. I, like, yeah. The first time that I went to a Panera Bread, I don't even remember when this is. It might have been 2005 or something like that. I'm not sure. My mom took me there because she heard it from my aunt and said, you got to try this place out. And we walked in and that we were like, Gas is a weird word. I was like very surprised because I thought, because you know, it was in like a shopping center. It was next to a bunch of other like <laughs> fast food establishments. I walk in, I'm like, all right, cool. They got cool bread, whatever. And I walked in, and I was like, what the heck is this? It looked like somebody's like study. You know what I mean? But then there was, yep. just happened to be a cafe on the other side. And yep. it was, I've never experienced anything quite like that experience that the first time I walked into open air. Yeah, we used to refer to it, uh, this was not consumer facing language, but the idea of an everyday oasis. Um, come, hmm. comes to life when you think about that, this elevated experience. Yeah. So, uh, but, but anyways, to get back to your question, and my, my apologies for the tangent, but I, I was no, no, it's good. In, it's good. Intrig intrigued by the, the fireplace reference. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways that um, we amplify the stories that we hear from our consumers. I'll, I'll give you as two examples, just, just to start. Uh, one is certainly in, in social media. There's oftentimes when we use UGC, uh, to amplify and make that the center and crux of whatever posts we do to reinforce whatever campaign we have. Um, it's funny, every time we put something like a, a UGC story, and I'll even talk about one recently, we see the engagement three, four, five times what our typical, typical engagement is because the stories are heartwarming and, and moving. And in this day and age, that's always a good thing. And it just reinforces what the brand is at its very core. So let me give you one quick example. We had a recent social post where we highlighted uh, a mother's uh, who reached out to us and said she brought her six-year-old to Panera and unfortunately they closed early. And an associate saw it and came out and was just locking up. And she mentioned that her daughter was um, sad because she couldn't get her mac and cheese. And the associate said, hold on. He went back in, turned on the lights, made her some mac and cheese, brought her back out. And she just wanted to tell the story about how good that made her daughter feel. We put that in just essentially posted it on Facebook and Instagram and the engagement scores were off the charts and we have hundreds of those stories. So we, we're selective about it. Um, we don't want it ever to become too, uh, feels too forced or that we're taking advantage of the situation, but sometimes they're just stories that, that affect us and hit us, hit our hearts that we feel we should share with our consumers. Yeah, I would um, say so. So on, on the social side, it's a very powerful vehicle. Uh, the other way, is we spend a lot of time focused on influencers. And this isn't the typical paid celebrity influencer. We very rarely go that route. Uh, this is more 
smaller influencers that already have a deep affinity for the brand. And we build relationships with them one-to-one. And yes, sometimes they're paid, but sometimes they're organic. But nonetheless, it gives them opportunities to talk about why they love Panera. And then we reward them for doing so. Um, or we give them more reasons. We let them in on some of the secrets. We get, they get to see things before others get to see things. So they feel part of our tribe and then can spread the word for us and act as true ambassadors. And that's been incredibly powerful. Now, we have a brand because of what we've always been at our core and always been this, uh, always taking this leadership position. We have a huge following that other brands might not have that luxury. It's one of the reasons I love joining this brand at first because of how strong the consumers felt about it. So any chance we get, any chance that we can give them to amplify our stories and talk about their relationship with Panera is a good thing. Yeah, I, I and I know, by the way, I know that you guys might not go super hard into celebrities, but I thought it was pretty cool when you did that French onion soup thing two months ago. <laughs> Listeners, if you're unaware, um, they did bring in, a, they did happen to bring in one celebrity. They brought in, uh, y'all remember Phyllis from The Office? Well, basically they did a spot with her uh, when uh, consumers were, were flummoxed at the dropping of French onion soup and then it came back. And anyway, that was a fun way to integrate, though, you know, in the, the mega talents of the world. You know, Adam, the, the best thing about that was that was an idea that literally was a brainstorm from a couple of my internal team. who were just think, thinking of, uh, and the quick backstory, yes, people were unhappy that we took French onion soup away. Occasionally, we take away popular items to bring in more seasonal items. And we always hear some backlash, but this was well beyond our typical backlash. Uh-huh. So we decided to have a little fun with it. And we did bring in Phyllis from the office, a uh, St. Louis native. She was fantastic to work with. And the idea did stem from two, uh, our social media manager and one of our, our PR managers. We just said, hey, this would be kind of fun. They brought it up. I said, it's a great idea. Let's see what we could do with it. And, and it went great and viral and, and just a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Sometimes you don't have to overthink things. You know, sometimes it's an easy idea. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. I think that's great to be able to sit around and brainstorm and then, I mean, of course, to execute and make it happen. But that sounds like something that I would joke about with my friends over something that I was, you know, upset about is, you know, is is like you, you can imagine that through the lens of somebody else. I think, you know, everybody from the office of Phyllis is particularly relatable character uh, to be able to use that as a lens was was really nice. So um, but. To, to know that you have those direct relationships with with folks in the influencer community and of course uh, with guests to be able to do so selectively is is special as well. And generally on the show here, we're, we're a fan of brands that are able to have their consumers be their own mouthpiece and, and to build relationships, especially in that way, because their stories are the strongest and the most influential, at least that's my hypothesis. You know, sometimes we can be... Um we can fall into that category of being a little too earnest. Um, we're talking about everything I said about being transparency, being transparent and building trust and being a leader. But sometimes we, we just don't want to take ourselves too seriously. At its heart, eating, the idea of eating, the joy of eating, it's fun. It's optimistic. It's lighthearted. So something like that allowed us to not take ourselves too seriously as well. And I think that's important for us as we move forward at Panera. So to talk a little bit more, just ask a, a, another follow-up on the, the how you're building those relationships broadly. I mean, what are some of the newest ways you're doing it today? I know that you've been uh, obviously super heavy into the end of the app game and the rewards and all that, but I just want to know from you personally, outside of these uh, stories that you're selectively sharing and the, the mega talent uh, spots that you're doing, what are some of the newest ways you're building relationships with guests? Sure. I'm going um, to give you 
two different examples. One's a little tried and true that was important the day we opened and the day now, and then I'll talk some, something a little bit uh, newer. Right. Um, first is, is our associates. We have 150,000 associates. They are our strongest marketing tactic without a doubt. They're the ones who are building the relationships day in and day out. They're the ones that you hear create all these great stories about um, the heartwarming gestures that they do with, with their consumers. And those are the ones that we hear about. We love to amplify. And that in fast casual should never go away. You should always ensure that the associates number one are the most important way to drive relationships with your consumer. I would take strong associates over, uh, over some of our competitions ad budgets any day of the week. Not to say I wouldn't like some of their ad budgets, but nonetheless, I'd still, I still prefer associates. Right. Um, and then more recently, the biggest way to build relationships for us that has made the most difference has been our My Panera loyalty program and, and initiative and database. So we right now have about 39 million people in our loyalty database, My Panera, of which about 19 million are e-marketable. You can imagine when you have 19 million people that are e-marketable, the types of relationships you can build with them is incredibly powerful, uh, incredibly strong. So we are now at a point when we understand our consumers' behavior so well that we can be much more choiceful and build a one-to-one -one relationship. Whereas a message I send to you might be very different from the message I send to someone down the street because we know what you like and what your behavior is when you go into Panera. So we try and make things very relevant for you that might be very different from what's relevant to someone else. So as we get to know each consumer better via their behaviors, we can target messaging that are much more relevant for them. And that's been incredibly powerful for us over the last two years. And that is something that we continue to put a lot of focus on moving forward. So 19 million e-marketable customers is fantastic. And if we can double that, that'll be a massive uh, uh, that'll, that'll be another massive opportunity for us. I would, uh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine close to 40 million people being, sharing, sharing stories and sharing their authentic moments and genuine opinions? Um, I mean, that would, that would be, that would be awesome. I mean, that's like, I mean, if you were able to do that, you might not even need that fixed camera on your booth. I mean, everybody's got a fixed camera right there <laughs> on their phone. You know what I mean? So, well, um, us, yeah. And, and furthermore, it allows us to not only understand what our consumer once, but it gives us a for, gives them a forum to come back to us. So we do a lot of our cafe health uh, via our My Panera. So giving anonymous surveys that allows consumers to talk about what they like, what they don't like, what's working, what's not working. And it's not gamed in any way because it's completely randomized. So we have unbelievable data and information from those 40 million as well that allows us to better serve all our consumers. Hmm. And again, it gets back to what you said originally. It gets us, allows us to know our consumer better. So we understand what needs they have and what solutions we can provide. Exactly. Well, I've learned a ton here, but I got to close with, uh, with an ask for advice. Some of this, I think you've already talked about, and maybe it includes getting to know consumers better, but it is essentially a question uh, rooted in the interest of our listeners, which is to find out how leaders specifically build authentic relationships with people that could be with employees. That could be with consumers. That can be with, the masses generally. So I want to ask you as a, as a way to round out the, the, the conversation here, what would be some advice that you give to, to another marketer who maybe is emulating your path, either just starting their journey or, or moving up? We have folks who are sole proprietors, folks who are all the way up into the fortune 500 in terms of marketing. 
So I'm curious what advice you might give them specifically on the topic of just how to build a more authentic brand. Sure. I think the first thing you have to do is be true to the brand and understand what the brand's role is in the marketplace or in, in, uh, in society in general. So once you understand what your brand is about and the why, why the brand exists, what happens if the brand wasn't there, what happens the next, the next day, you'll start to understand the role that the brand plays in people's lives. Once you know that, that's a massive unlock to understanding what matters to the consumer and then understanding what your role is to provide those solutions to what other consumers' needs are. So for me, it it's, goes back to what you said originally, understanding the consumer and then understanding what the role your brand plays in that consumer's life. That is the unlock to everything. Any marketing gimmick or tactic, yeah, it might get you some short-term sales bump here and there, but it'll never, it'll never work in the long run if you don't understand who your consumer is. So I don't think there's anything more important than that. And then secondly, I'd make sure that as you're thinking about those unlocks and those solutions you can provide, make sure you build just a phenomenal team to help you think through that. Hire the right people, make those tough choices when you have to, set the bar high, challenge the team to dream, dream bigger, enroll them, engage them, motivate them, understand, make sure they understand the whys behind what you're doing, and always have this bias for action. And I think those characteristics of a great team, when you know what the consumer needs, that's a great combination to have. I love that phrase, bias for action. I haven't heard that very often, but it's, it's, it's a great way to uh, inspire your team to just to just do something. I'm sure there was a great bias to action when you brought in Phyllis for that spot. You know, it's, I'm sure it was a great bias to action when, when, when you were thinking about, or when the organization was thinking about going clean and displaying calorie counts, as you had mentioned earlier. So, uh, it's great. It's great advice. It allows you to be more disruptive and take some chances and take some calculated risks. In this day and age, very tough to break through these clutter right now. So you have to be disruptive. You have to have this bias for action to succeed, I believe. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, at least as far as my personal journey was concerned, there was no more uh, disruptive experience than there was the first time I walked into a, to a Panera. Listeners, I'm sure you feel the same, and I'd encourage you to go back, uh, maybe subscribe to that coffee plant. That's a really good idea, by the way. Um, well, <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. For all this, uh, for, for the advice, the, the stories, all those examples, gosh, this was chock full of examples. I really appreciate that. Uh, Chris, what else can I say? I, I, I can't wait for the next time I go visit a Panera, but for now, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. I had a great time, Adam. Thank you. Thank you once again to Chris Hollander from Panera Bread for joining the show today. Uh, I want to thank you specifically for all those examples. Say congrats on preparing so well for this interview. And if I might use the pun, uh, i give you a bacon turkey. Bravo for that. If you liked this show, here's what you can do. Follow us on LinkedIn. I imagine you listen already on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do stay subscribed. If you're new, subscribe. But that's like kind of our content hub. We have podcast.favoom.co. That's where you can get all of our episodes in one digest. It's also where you can reach out to us directly. And then also on LinkedIn, I post everything there as well as some clips, as well as when I have a new interview that's upcoming, you'll learn about who's coming next, when we do things in the press, when there are events that happen. And I know I say it every time, those events are coming, of course, with the current circumstances a little bit delayed, but don't worry, they are on tap. And it's also where you can connect with me personally, Adam Connor. So go give that a follow. Go give me a follow if you want. Reach out, connect, message. I'd love to hear about what you think of the show and how I can make it better for you. 
I'll be back again real soon. You already know this. It's another fantastic brand, how they're motivating their masses, how they're mobilizing them to become more authentic. I'm going to have all that for you. I can't wait to do it. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.